Thank you for joining me tonight. I'm here with Fred Roberts, former Los Angeles Laker. This will be the inaugural episode of the Forgotten Lakers podcast, where we try to get in touch with some former Lakers and talk about their time with the franchise. So thank you very much again, Fred Roberts, for joining me tonight. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Sure. Well, one of the um, first things I'm always interested in, especially with former Lakers or former professional basketball players, is your history with the sport, how you got into it, and when you realized, you know, you're, you were significantly better than maybe some of your friends, some of your teammates, and when you definitely realized you had a future in it, if you could go into that. Well, I, I guess I remember a time in high school, I'd just gone to, they called it Superstar Camp down in, uh, it was in just north of San Diego. can't remember. But anyway, it was there, and I, I went there, and I ended up winning the one-on-one tournament. And did some other good things and came back and I was I remember my dad had me out working in the yard digging ditches I think I was doing and he said uh, so is this basketball thing are you you think you're pretty good and he says yeah I think I'm alright he says <laughs> think you have a chance to do anything with it and I says I don't know I think I can play college and he says huh. so he walked away and after that he didn't. He kind of uh, paid him a little bit more attention because up till then, I don't, my dad, he wasn't much of a sports guy, and kind of he was just a worker, and he kind of felt like that's what we should be. I had five brothers, and he had us working, and thought this uh, ball playing stuff was uh, a nice hobby, but you better get yourselves out there and get your work done. Did uh, any of your brothers play in high school or collegiately? Yeah, I had. Actually, I had, uh, let's see, I, my older brother uh, played ahead of me at uh, BYU. He was there for a couple of years. And then I had a, the next older brother played on the JV. This back when they had JV in the colleges, so he was on the JV team. And I had a younger brother played it. He was on the team at Las Vegas when they were ranked number one. I, I think... I can't remember if he was on a team that made the Final Four or the year before that. And then my youngest brother, who ended up having a good career at BYU and played overseas for five or six years. So you said he had an older brother who went to BYU. Did his attendance there factor into your decision to go there? Or what was your recruitment process like once you started getting recruited in high school? Well, I, I think that was that's really the factor. I guess I was a BYU fan, but with my brother there, I'd always, he was the oldest. And I, well, my older sister was the oldest and then my, my brother, but we always kind of, you know, wanted to be accepted by him, wanted to be around him and uh, the chance to be able to play on the same team with him. I, I thought was going to be, I wanted to do that. And that's, kind of a deciding factor of why I went to BYU. Were you considering any other schools at that time? Like any, were any other schools recruiting you heavily? Utah. And then, uh, I still considered Utah. My dad wanted me to go to Utah because he, he looked at it and he said, he looked at it as an opportunity to get some of his tax money back. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> that makes sense. And, uh, yeah, he, he that's what he was pulling for. And then, uh, let's see, I, of course, all the Utah schools. Um, I took a trip to Cal State Fullerton, and uh, I had some interest there, but 
Utah. I was from Bingham High School, a little town, and didn't get a lot of exposure. And then mm-hmm. I think also teams knew that I had a brother playing at BYU. They felt like that was so. I so I think they and I, I kind of let them know early that that was a big factor in why I wanted to stay in state. So when I was researching this, I mean, obviously I knew you had played for the Lakers, Celtics, and Bucks, and um, being born and raised in Dallas, I vaguely remember when you were on the Mavericks. Um, but yeah. Then I didn't realize that you had played for the Spurs, and you know, at that time you got to play with George Gervin. So um, before we move on to the you know Celtics and Lakers stuff, can you give me your best George Gervin story? The best George Gervin story. <laughs> he was so much fun to play with, and. I just was uh, going in there as a rookie and playing after everything he'd accomplished. And I think this is probably my best uh, George Gervin story is we were on, I, I don't remember where we were playing. I think maybe Philadelphia, but we got on the bus at the hotel and then driving to the game. And I remember Gene Banks, Johnny Moore, uh, Edgar Jones, a couple of the other guys who just back in the back and they're talking about everything they did in college. Just, I was, you know, I was, I worked that guy in college. I was so good. And I scored 40 points here. I did this. And this the, the entire trip from the hotel to the arena, which maybe, you know, 20, 20 minutes at the most, but they were just yapping and Gervin just sat back, didn't say a word. We pulled in the, pulled in the arena, bus came to the stop and those guys were still yapping. George uh, Gervin stood up to, well, I ain't got much to say about college, but I sure worked those boys in the NBA. <laughs> Everybody just shut up after that. He's had oh, two scoring so titles, cool. and, and that was, he just walked off the bus. Wow, yeah, I've, I, I enjoy the, watching his uh, YouTube highlights. Those, those are something. Oh, he was great, yeah. I guess that was a drop-the-mic moment, what they would call it now these yeah, days. Yeah, definitely. I just saw the other day, I saw it. Uh, Mark Heaton put it on his uh, – Facebook a clip with uh, German and Pete Maravich playing horse. Oh, I've seen that it as well. Great. Yeah, I've watched that on YouTube before. That's so cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. But yeah, he was fun. He was just great. He was a character. He, uh, you know, he just didn't want to do the finger roll. He wanted to do the finger roll, see how high he could throw the ball, get the hot ball up in the air. And I saw him that year, but break at least two noses the guys get into his get on up tight to him and he'd shoot and he'd come down with his elbow right across their face did you uh, guard him in uh, practice a lot let's see i did a little no well not a lot in practice i was always up against banks and you know, more before jordan was playing two guard at that point yeah not much de- not much defense going on there yeah <laughs> but, but he could still shoot like crazy yeah well, moving on to your stint with the Celtics, um, you know, you obviously got to play in the 1987 finals versus the Lakers. That was the third time in four years that they had met in the NBA finals in the 80s. Um, overall, it's considered one of the great rivalries in NBA history. With the vibe in the Celtics locker room and, you know, what the guys were saying, were y'all, was the hatred for the Lakers, you know, as strong as it is today for Celtics fans? Like, were, were y'all aware of it? Was it talked about at that time? Well, it, that was my first year with Boston, and I was just trying to, in my whole, you know, I was just trying to get with the team. You know, my, I played a year and a half with San Antonio, a year and a half with Utah, and then I go to Boston, and I was just trying to get a 
seeing where I could have a career. And so I was uh, not aware of everything that was going on until we get to the playoffs. We'll get in there and they talk about um, <laughs> they talk about Jabbar and how they hated him and they hated the. So there, there definitely was some energy and angst uh, going in there, but. I think they also knew going into that series that we were pretty, I don't know, beat up, I guess. They didn't, um, the, you know, they weren't, uh, we didn't have a bench, as they say. You know, there was no bench in case you played those starters the whole year, big minutes, and played them through the playoffs, big minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which is, you know, I, I kind of feel like um, that, that may be true, and it's probably true, but they didn't do much to develop a bench either. They just kind of they treated us like we were a, a, another team, mm-hmm. se- separate from the starters. So that that was a little bit tough. But they did, you know, they had some real energy about how they felt about the Lakers for sure. And I remember when Bird, when they did Magic hit that uh, hook shot, yeah, that baby, and, and they came forward. Yeah. And they could have um, ended the series the next game there in Boston. Bird came to practice and says. We are not letting these guys win this championship on our court. Oh man! Do not. We are not allowing that to happen. <laughs> and he didn't. Researching that particular series, everyone talks about McHale had a was basically playing on a broken foot. Was that something that was well publicized at the time? I mean, there was he just kind of suiting up, not making any excuses, or how did that work out? Well, we sure knew about it, and I. Not sure what the, what the average person knew or what the press knew. I, I I feel like it was out there because he was always getting treatment. He was wasn't player that he normally was um, mm-hmm. through the season or certainly the year before. And so he, you know, we knew about it, and I, I think people, I think they had to know, and Lakers had to know, and yeah. they went at him pretty hard. Michael mm-hmm. Thompson went in there and just, I think they played together in college. And so mm-hmm. Michael Thompson just went in there and went at him and just beat him up. And Kevin just didn't have the, the wills to, the feet to hang in there. All right. Well, since this is a Laker oriented process, if it's okay with you, could we uh, go to your season with the Lakers? Sure. All right. Um, it's like so most the- of my career, it's one, one year now. Oh, we had that long stint with Milwaukee, so uh, that's, those are probably your most rewarding years, I would assume. Yeah, they were, for sure. Yeah. And we, we lived there for 10 years, and so it was, we, that was kind of where I, that's where I relate my career to, for sure. So but LA fall, was... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, in the, in the fall of 95, what led you to signing with the Lakers? I know you had had a short stint with the Cavs the previous season after uh, playing overseas. So, but what led you signing to the lake? We're signing with the Lakers in the fall of '95. Well, Dale Harris was a coach, and mm-hmm. he coached me there in Milwaukee for four years, and um, he was a great coach for me. He really kind of showed a lot of confidence in me, and uh, I just uh, I, I don't know. I liked him a lot, and so he gave me the opportunity. And when I went there, I, I felt like I was just there for camp. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect to stick, stick around, but I felt like it was just going to be there for camp and maybe an opportunity to get someplace else. But they kept me and uh, signed me, so it was great. It was a great opportunity for me to continue my career. 
I loved mm-hmm. playing for Dell. Uh, I was excited to play in L.A. with the uh, with the history and uh, uh, the, the kind of team that they had. It was a funny year. That was the year that, and you probably, I mean, I talked about this was the year that Magic started. He made his yeah, comeback. Yeah, definitely. That, yeah, I wanted to get to that. But then also, um, you know, it was kind of a unique year in Laker history, even before the Magic's comeback. You know, just some very popular young players like Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel, Cedric Sabalos were on the team. Um, and also, it was the year before they got Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. So, it's kind of a definitely a transition period for the franchise. Yeah. So you touched on Magic's comeback. Uh, obviously, you know, I was, you know, I think 10 at the time, maybe nine or 10 that season. And I remember hearing, I would go, Magic Johnson's coming back. Obviously, I didn't know, you know, how great he was. I knew his name, but that was about it. But was that something that had, was that a possibility the whole season? Or did it just come around that, you know, late January, early February where, you guys started hearing that Magic might come back, or did he just show up at practice for one day, or what happened with that? Well, it was uh, it was kind of a funny year for us. We they had a great year the year before with all those young guys, and mm-hmm. they had a great run in the playoffs, and they were they all had um, you know big years. Uh, all the young guys, Van mm-hmm. Axel and Sabalas, uh, and so. But we came back, and I don't think they had the same intensity, same drive as they had the year before, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't with them. But you tell her just kind of, uh, hey, you know, we're we're here. Let's go out and play. Mm-hmm. Um, but Magic started hanging around, and he'd play pickup games after practice and work out with us, and he was there a lot. And, uh, and I think that started the talk going and uh, – um, They'll see him out there, and we were struggling a little. And thought, well, maybe this is something that we can talk about. And that's, I'm sure they had conversations with Magic. Say, well, what do you think? Do you think he can get in play? And so he started working out with us more, and then showing up to practice. And instead of just doing a uh, after practice, we're working out with uh, pickup games. Uh, and so he started practicing with us, and that was that started the rumors going even more. And then he. And it kind of became a, a distraction, which we were already a bunch of young guys distracted. Yeah, I would think so. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, it definitely was. There's no question it was a distraction. And uh, But everybody thought that it was going to be save our season and Magic's going to come back and he's going to just take us to the next level. And it would have been four years earlier, five years earlier, it probably would have. Yeah, but at at that point in his career, and having said sat out, I don't even know how many years he sat out. But yeah, that, when he, he came back, out. he'd been out for like four and a half, I believe. Oh, is that? Yeah, I mean that's. I, I think all of us think in our brain, in our mind, we could do that. Yeah, but it's such a different level when you've continued, you've played that level every year after year after year. And then to sit out and think you can come back, I just you're not going to come back the same. And and he didn't. He mm-hmm. helped us. He did some good things, but he wasn't the same player. And he he um, kind of dominated the ball. And next thing you know, so we all started standing around, watching him. And it was it was it it didn't do what we'd hoped it would do. It wasn't his fault. And I just think we had a young team with guys that uh, lost a lot of focus from the year before. Could you sense a lot of frustration on the part of like maybe Nick Van Exel or Cedric Subalos, guys who had been, 
you know, kind of like the quote unquote, you know, main stars on the team that maybe they thought magic was going to come over and, you know, come back and dominate the ball, dominate the headlines and take away from what they were doing. Was that something you could sense like immediately or did that develop slowly? Oh, you know, I couldn't, I didn't really know. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it was um, confusing for them. I, you know, with me, I was a new guy and I, I, um, they were good to me and treated me well, but I don't think I was in on all the um, subtleties that were happening with the various personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I missed all that. I, I just, and I was, I was just trying to, you know, I, I, when I, I just learned that every year I played, I was trying to just hang on and be a player. I never felt like I was on a team to stay. I always felt like I was, the next day, the next practice, they'd let me go. <laughs> and so that that's where my focus was. And I missed all the subtleties of these guys who were pretty secure and settled in with uh, the okay. team and knew they were going to be around. I, I just, I was kind of the guy that stayed after and played pickup games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must have been doing something right. I mean, you played for, well, like 13 years, I believe. Um, so it's definitely longer than the average career for sure. Yeah, well, I think I just, with my game, I, I just figured if I stay ready, stay mm-hmm. in shape, uh, and, you know, when it was my turn to get in the game, make sure I was positive things, what the coach wanted me to do. They didn't expect me to go out and score 30 points for sure, but mm-hmm. they wanted me to play hard, defend, and move, move the ball, follow the game plan, which I, I, I knew I could do. Also, you know, I, I, I just I learned early that, you know, you're going to get a chance. Just never know when that chance comes. You can sit the bench for three, four games in a row, and then all of a sudden in the fifth game, somebody gets hurt or somebody's in foul trouble. And I learned early that that opportunity was going to be there. When that came, you had to be ready. Like I said earlier, I have your card right in front of me. And I, w- I wanted to ask if this was true, that you had twice announced retirement only to be summoned back to the NBA. Had you, you know, re- retired from the game either through the NBA or overseas, but then were called back by one team or another? I never, you know, I've announced my retirement. I, I would never announce my retirement. If somebody took me right now, I'd go try and play. <laughs> okay. but, but it was a, I, it was what happened. I, uh, toward the end of my career, I, I did, and that's, I went uh, went overseas, came back, played Cleveland Lakers. I don't even know how. Oh yeah, that's what happened. I, so I went overseas, came back, and I wasn't picked up. Uh, so I went the uh, CBA route, and I played a few games there. And I actually got hurt, I tore a rotator cuff. Um, but then I had a chance to go to Europe. A team in France wanted me, and I, so I went there, and I got over there last made it 10 days they were going to trade me out for another player I, um, kid from Houston who was a really good play, great player over there and and then they decided they were going to keep him so they sent me so I came home and then that's when I got picked up by Cleveland and mm-hmm. the team that I the CBA team they there's some deal that if you get picked up they get money so I don't so I don't know what happened there they were mad at me or they or they were trying to get money, and so they announced some things. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what happened, but I, I, myself, I always just wanted to play. I never 
said, hey, I'm done with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that kind of a player? Oh, yeah, yeah, by the way, I'm retiring. I said, wait a minute, you, you're not retiring, you're, you're fired. Oh, yeah. We can't watch you anymore. So uh, you might be aware of this. Are you aware that you're the only player who was Larry Bird and Magic Johnson's teammate? Yeah. Yeah, trust that, me, I use that a lot. Oh, I, I would think so. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, I've followed the NBA forever, and so I knew you were on the Celtics, I knew you were on the Lakers, and I started thinking to myself, I couldn't think of another player who would have been both their teammates. And I finally found it online that it actually was true. So I was glad I was right about that. I guess there's just too much of a gap in his uh, retirement and comeback for anybody else to really kind of bridge that gap. Yeah. And, you know, you don't see a lot of guys going from, especially then, the Lakers to Celtics, Celtics to Lakers. Sure. Yeah. They they weren't trading trading buddies. No, I wouldn't think so. Those two teams. (laughs) So do you uh, follow today's game very closely? Any particular players or teams? Well, I still have uh, – it's been really nice to still have a connection with Milwaukee. I've mm-hmm. uh, been able to go back there and do a couple of things they, with that team and with this city. So I've liked that a lot. I like to – so I'm hoping they do well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jazz, I'm able to see them quite a bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I – and of course, who doesn't? I mean, you've watched Golden State; you can't help but uh, be impressed with everything they do. Uh, gosh, just just an incredible team, incredible team. But it's certainly a different game. Oh my goodness! I watched our, in fact, our uh, playoffs when I was at Boston against the Lakers. I watched those games. Uh, whoa, that's uh, it's quite a bit different than what's going on now. It's so much faster, and everybody. Everybody's built like Carl Malone now, and they're off mm-hmm. and run. They move him, and the shooting. Well, I was actually, uh, you know, reviewing when you met, you mentioned shooting, and I was reviewing your career statistics. You had made like over fifty threes in your career, which you know at the time was, you know, you're six ten, so there weren't too many guys your size shooting a lot of threes. Was that a part of your game you developed? You know, I don't. There probably wasn't a three point line back when you were at BYU, but but were you always pretty? decent shooter or did that develop over your NBA career? I, I feel like I've always been a good shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I came in the league, just didn't know if I was expected to be a shooter. You know, um, but I, in fact, the three-point shot, you know, I remember being with the Jazz, um, 84-85, I think it was with the Jazz, and or maybe it was the year before, when, when Daryl Griffith uh, made the most three-pointers in uh, 96, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he made 96 three-pointers, and that was unbelievable. People, whoa, look yeah. at that. It's incredible how many he's making. Then it just took off. And, yeah. Um, I think Steph Curry made over one, four, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I I, I just, uh, when I got to Milwaukee, Dale Harris, the uh, – the style of the team, the, the playing, the, you know, Dale Harris says, hey, we work hard to get open shots. you got an open shot. We expect you to shoot it. And that's mm-hmm. the first time I've ever had a uh, professional coach tell me anything like that. And so mm-hmm. uh, I just, if I could get spotted up, get my feet under me, I feel like I could make shots and just had some opportunities there in Milwaukee to do that. Um, do you play any pickup now at all with you know friends? Or I know you're uh, you have a career in education. Do you play with any students from time to time, or have you uh, retired completely? 
I still I still like to go out and shoot on my own occasionally, and then I get a, um, I will play with the, some of the high school. There's a, our team. I, I coach our junior high team over at school, and mm-hmm. I'll get in and run with them a little bit, and run with the other coaches. Yeah, we had a big we had a big um, alumni game last spring, BYU guys for a mm-hmm. uh, a fundraiser. It was actually for my granddaughter who has leukemia, and so they make a wish. We were, mm. did a big fundraiser, so I played then, and that was a lot of fun. But I, you know, I, I I'm pretty good by myself. Yeah. But when we get out there and people move around, I'm not quite, not near as good. And it takes me after that game. It took me four or five days to be able to walk normal. <laughs> I just oh, I just remember I was laying in bed. I couldn't. <laughs> my everything, I, everything I heard. I had cramps behind my knees. I've never had that ever before, and it was just, it was rough. It's really different. I, but I, you know, I have a goal. I'm 57 now, and I'm, my goal is to be able to dunk it at 16. So I got to stay in some kind of condition so I can do that. And, oh wow! Uh, it it won't be very pretty, but <laughs> I, I think I'll be able to do it. <laughs> touched briefly on it a moment ago about your teaching career uh was that something that had always been in the back of your mind whenever you were going going to retire from basketball that you wanted to get into education no not at all i i think i've always been curious about um education we with our kids we've actually done some homeschooling we've had them we've been quite involved in their in their education and and Mm -hmm. i enjoyed that it was fun but when we Moved back here to Utah from Milwaukee. I just kind of fell into it. We sent our um, had the, our kids go to this uh, private school over here, and they said they needed a seventh grade teacher. And mm-hmm. said, well, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, I, I, so I did, and uh, I wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't very good, so they moved me into administration. Mm-hmm. So what, that's in fact I was they moved me right into the, being the, the director. I guess that's what wow. happens when you're not a good teacher. They make <laughs> a principal or something. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, so I did that for five years, and then they uh, decided they wanted to get serious with their school, and they brought in somebody who's a little bit more qualified. And but then I uh, saw this opportunity, the school I'm in. That now I've been this is my tenth year, and mm-hmm. I thought you know I'm, it's a good it's a good job. It's not I'm not going to make a ton of money, but I get my summers and I, mm-hmm. it's fun to work with the kids. So it's been a good place for me, especially I, I think finally after ten years I'm settled in it. I've, I've always wanted to get back into basketball in some role uh, mm-hmm. I scouted for the Bucks for a few years and that was really enjoyed that love oh, that I bet. Oh, it was fun but mm-hmm. you know as a scout you're gone every night and we had yeah. young kids and I thought yeah I'm not going to do that and sure so I did I was hoping to get into basketball somehow didn't happen and now I'm feeling pretty uh, settled with the teaching I feel like I can do it it's something um, it's not easy but you get those breaks. You get some nice breaks. Um, well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I really appreciate it. Like I said, as you were my first guest for this uh, Lakers podcast. So 
I hope I was able to ask you some good questions and make this worth your while. <laughs> Oh, it's fun. I, I hope you do well. It, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, one guy I, I talked to occasionally was George Lynch. He'd be a great guy for you to contact. He's Oh, yeah. You know, I, uh, I've emailed with him previously a few years ago. I was able to get some stuff signed by him because he was actually in Dallas uh, working for SMU. And that's I'm local in the Dallas area. Is, yes. he, not, is, he, is he still there? You know, I don't know. So he was working with Larry Brown when uh, Larry Brown was the coach at SMU, and he quit, you know, about a year or so ago. And um, I don't know if he's hung on with the new staff or not, but definitely I'll have to – I completely forgot that I had con- had some contact with him previously, so that thank you. Yeah, I, I think he's still there, and he's he'd be a lot of fun to talk to and good guy. And, you know, it was, it was great fun playing. I enjoyed playing with those guys. Great to be in L.A., having the experience of the two top teams with the Celtics and Lakers time, those two organizations. I was I was going to tell you that uh, when they brought in uh, Shaquille and mm-hmm. Kobe the next year, I was uh, I, Jerry West called me in the <laughs> summer, and he said, Fred, we'd like to have you back, but Shaquille wants all your money. Oh yeah. <laughs> he, says, he says he wants my minimum salary. He, says, he wants to yep. give me everything, I guess. He, he wants everything. He wants every bit of money that's out there that's available. Oh so man, we're we're not going to have you back. No. Oh, all, that's all right. Funny. Well, yeah, the but, Shaq's the guy, or Shaq's the reason I'm a Lakers fan. When um, I started following basketball, it was his last year in Orlando, and he was my favorite player. Then I kind of just followed him to. Uh, to the Lakers, and I've been a Lakers fan ever since. So, oh, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, our family's yeah. dog is named Shaq. <laughs> well, you are a fan. Good for yeah. you. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, again, thank good. you for your time. Um, really appreciate it. Hope everything goes well with, uh, you know, your school career, and hope you can still dunk at 60. All right. I, I hope to let you know. <laughs> well, if I can, I'll. If I can, I will let you know. All right, and sounds if I, good. If I can't, I won't be in touch. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Thanks All again, right. for Thanks, Jeff.